You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. The title of the message today is Bruised and Broken, But Not Brought Down. Bruised and Broken, But Not Brought Down. What causes bruises? Bruising is when you have a contusion, and what happens is you've been hit in such a way that you're actually bleeding underneath the surface of your skin. As time goes on, the injury heals, and the blood that's been uh, injured there does eventually get reabsorbed back into your body, and eventually bruises go away. When we go through tough things in life, sometimes we bruise, and we bleed underneath the surface. The things that we've gone through have left their mark, and other people can see that's left its mark on us. And it takes time for those things to heal. What about breaking bones? What causes breaking is when you hit something hard and your bones cannot handle it. There are 206 bones in your body. And when something harder than your flesh and bone hits you, and when it's more than you can handle, sometimes bones break. How many know that hard things can sometimes break us? We thought we could handle them. We believed that we were strong. Have you ever tried to like, maybe you're playing football with somebody and you went up and you tried to hit a person to knock them back. You tried to shove them or you tried to tackle them and uh, you moved but they didn't. You know, you kind of went up against that thing and you recognized that they were the immovable object and you were not. And so it uh, happens, too, when we're going through life and we're like, well, I can, I can clear that jump, and you don't. Or if you're riding a skateboard or a bike and you think to yourself, okay, well, I'm doing okay, and then you wipe out and you hit pavement, and pavement is harder than bone. And hard things break us. Sometimes you hit hard things and they don't move. You're the one that's moved and broken by them. Another thing about broken bones, you don't always know they're broken until you try to use it. You can't always see that they're broken right away. It's not like a bruise. You can see a bruise. You know, I'm injured. I'm hurt. Other people can see it. But when you break a bone, you don't know it's broken until you try and do something with it whether you're trying to put weight on it and you can't support yourself without pain or you're trying to lift something up and you can't, oftentimes you don't even know it's broken until a doctor does an x-ray and sees what the damage is. There are times where you go through hard things. There's times where you hit hard things. And you might think that you're fine until you try to do something that you used to be able to do. And then the pain starts. Many times people can't see it. They've been broken by the hard things of life, and it's only then when they try to move forward or try to do something that they realize that they can't. And I would challenge you today, and I would uh, have you think about this today, is that when we hit hard things, sometimes we can get broken inside, and we don't even realize it until we go to try and do something, and then we realize we can't. We, we aren't unable to do it. It just hurts too much. The good news about when something's bruised 
or when something's broken, that in time they all heal. And you're back to your life again. But sometimes healing can take time. For bruises, most people agree that a bruise can heal in two to three weeks. But if you break a bone, though, depending on what kind of bone you broke, it can be much, much longer. For hand and wrist fractures, they say four to six weeks. In the NFL, it's shorter because they want to get it back out in the field, and they really shouldn't be there. For leg and arm breaks, though, it can take up to 20 weeks. And I know that we don't have anybody that knows about that, but I've heard it takes about 20 weeks to heal from broken bones, sometimes longer because you're talking about a long period of time where that bone has to reset and reheal and sometimes it could take months. We live in a world today that is broken, spiritually broken, emotionally broken, mentally broken. When we think about the mental health issues in our world today, this world is helpless, hopeless, and far from God. Much of the pain in this life is caused because people are living apart from God, and it can cause brokenness. Many times people who don't know Jesus don't even know that they are bruised and broken. Sometimes it takes somebody else to point it out to them. Others can see it, but they can't. They don't see their addiction. They don't see their codependency. They don't see their anger issues. They don't see their social dysfunction. They don't see what's going on in their life until someone else points out, hey, you're bleeding. You ever been doing that in life where you're kind of like doing things around the house, you're doing some, whether you're cleaning or whether you're doing a, a home improvement project or just stuff out in the yard and you think you're fine and then uh, you're walking around the house and your wife goes, oh, you're bleeding. And you didn't feel it or even see it, but you're, you're bleeding out. You're, you're, or you've been bruised in some way. It's like, what's that? And you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that that was there. Or like that person tries to get up after they've fallen and they can't. You're like, I think something's broken there. Sometimes someone else needs to be able to point it out to you so you can find the healing and help that you need. Christians are not exempt from moments of brokenness. There are times we go through seasons of bruising and breaking, times where life struggles and hardships hit us, and times we bear the scars of the battles we've been through. But for the Christian, brokenness is not always a bad thing. I'll say it again. For the Christian, brokenness is not always a bad thing because brokenness shows us our dependency and our need for God. When we are broken, it shows us that we need something greater than ourselves to get by. Hear me when I say this, and I hope I won't mess you up too badly or make you mad. When, hear me when I say this, that faith is not really faith if your confidence is in yourself. Faith is not really faith if your confidence is in yourself. When we go through challenges, we lose confidence. You've been going along life, and you thought, hey, I'm doing pretty good right now. Until you lose your job, until you get a health diagnosis, until your marriage falls apart, and the confidence that you used to walk in diminishes. It's not that we've lost confidence in God, but we've lost 
confidence in ourselves and in our ability to handle what we're going through. Ironically, this is the time that we doubt God the most. But it's the time that we must draw closer to him. It's in our brokenness that we approach him. God is not looking for us to be perfect coming to him. I'm not talking morally. I'm not talking about you know, living in sin and coming to him. I'm talking about not having it all together and that you've got your perfect little life and everything's in its uh, neat little rows and every T is crossed and every I is dotted and everybody thinks you're great and everyone respects you. There are times where you must come to him in your brokenness because in your brokenness you've recognized uh, the answer doesn't lie within me anymore. It's no longer based on my confidence or my abilities. Instead, we must rest and trust God through it. The Apostle Paul had an interesting perspective on all this. Now, if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses uh, 7 onward. But to give you a little background on this, the Apostle Paul was a missionary, an evangelist, and a pastor. And he traveled around to different parts of uh, Europe, parts of Asia Minor, and he went about preaching and planting churches. And one of the churches that he planted was in a city called Corinth. Corinth is a major uh, city in the uh, country of Greece. It is a major hub, all kinds of activity, all kinds of trade going on in there. And so he plants this church, and yet despite being its founding pastor, the church was beset with all kinds of moral problems. Besides that, there were false teachers who were profiting off the people of the church, and one of the things they would do would be bad-mouthing Paul while he was away traveling and doing ministry. So imagine you establish a church, you put people in charge, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into a church, and you go off to do other missions work, and say you go on a missions trip, and the guest speaker that the church happens to invite in says, you know, your pastor's not that great. In fact, he's only in it for the money. That's why Paul is doing it. Paul is only concerned with making money. That's why he's traveling. That's why he's doing it. And he has no concern for you. And Paul has to defend his ministry, defend who he is to the congregation that he planted and to address the accusations of against him. Paul talks about how it... And he explains that it's not all glamorous and glorious being a missionary and pastor. And he talks about the hardship that he's faced. So we're going to walk through this together. And uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be bruised and broken but not brought down. So let's take a look at it together. He writes in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Hallelujah. Let's just focus on that for just a moment. The treasure that you have is Jesus within you. The strength that you have is Jesus within you. It's nothing on your exterior. In fact, remember that Paul says, hey, we're just clay vessels. If you read the first chapter of Genesis, first and second chapter of Genesis, you recognize that God formed man out of the dust of the earth. That we are but dust. There's nothing glorious about us other than that we were created in the image of God. But what God has deposited in you upon salvation 
His salvation, His Holy Spirit, His power at work within you is a glorious treasure that is seen when we are under pressure, when we are broken, when we are tested, when we are challenged. It's good for us to remember that and to remember humility in the middle of it, to remember that it's God's power at work within us that's the true treasure inside. People need to see the treasure in us when we are cracked, when we're broken, when we go through things. Take a look at these next two verses, 8 and 9. I want to share some thoughts from this. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now, Paul is speaking about his ministry. Paul is speaking about himself and his colleagues and what they've gone through for the gospel. But I think there's something that we can learn from, from this for ourselves as well about being bruised and broken. He says we're hard-pressed, but not crushed. Now, remember what Paul compares himself to. He says we're just clay jars. And what he's saying is that he feels the pressure. He feels the attacks. He feels the force that's being applied and the stress that's being applied to him and his colleagues in every situation. But unlike a a clay jar that you might drop in your house that shatters on the floor, he's saying we're feeling this pressure, but it doesn't break us. It doesn't bring us down. I want you to think about that for your own life today, is that can you say that about yourself, that God's power at work within you has given you such a strength that even though you should be broken by all the pressure and the stress and strain that's on your life right now, somehow you haven't broken. Somehow you haven't broken. You know why? Because God's at work within you. You know why? Because he's on the inside holding it all together. Aren't you glad that there's someone on the inside holding you together? Like the support beams in your house, like the rebar in concrete, the Lord is on the inside holding you all together. You have no business enduring this. There are people around you said that you should be broken by now. In fact, there may be people in your life that are trying to do just that. People in your family, people in your workplace who are just waiting for you to crack and break and slip up. But you're holding it together. How? Not because of anything in yourself, but because of what the Lord is doing in you. He says we're perplexed, but not in despair. What does perplexed mean? Perplexed means confused or confounded. Paul's saying he doesn't always understand why things are happening, but he is trusting God, and he refuses to be in despair. Now, what does despair mean? It means the loss of all hope. Despair means the loss of all hope. The things that he is going through, he's saying, these are confusing, but one thing is certain, I have not lost my hope. Why? Because his hope is not in himself. His hope is not even in the people he's serving, but his hope is in Jesus. Paul doesn't despair in people's opinions of him. There's nothing these false teachers can say that will make him feel inferior. So here's the lesson for us today. If you are constantly trying to please people, you are going to find yourself frustrated. If you're constantly trying to win the approval of men, 
Know that you can't be everything to everybody because eventually you're going to have to take a stand for something. And eventually someone will not like you, what you stand for, the way that you look, the way that you smell, whatever. There's going to be people that just don't like you. So it's a fool's errand to try and win the approval of everybody. Paul, recognizing that his own congregation is kind of going, yeah, I'm not so sure about Paul. Or leveling accusations against him. Or listening to slander against him. A normal person would go, I'd be despairing underneath that. But Paul recognizes, I'm not working for their opinion. I'm not working for their approval, hallelujah. I'm working for the approval of the one who I've served, who called me to do what I'm doing right now. I would challenge you today to, in your heart and in your soul, to recognize what God's called you to do and let nothing deter you from that. Let no man's opinion, let no man's negativity, let no man's lack of approval for what, who, who you are and what you represent change you from what God's called you to do. Because it's him that you need to answer to. At the end of the day, you won't stand before all the people that you've served in heaven and they will say, well, you did this right, you didn't do this right. You will stand before God himself. You will stand before the throne of Jesus. And all that really matters in that moment is, did you do what I told you to do? Did you do what I asked you to do? Did you do what I I wanted you to do from the beginning? And if so, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes, life can be perplexing. It can be confusing. But Paul does not allow him to get into despair because he looks to Jesus and he recalibrates his compass based on what Jesus says. He keeps himself focused on what Jesus wants him to do. And as long as he does that, he knows that he is adequate for the task. Not just adequate, but superior against every accusation against him. Verse 9 says, he's persecuted but not forsaken. Persecuted means you go through difficulty because of your beliefs. It's when people mistreat you because of what you stand for. It's when people turn on you to do you harm. It's in persecution that people often abandon you because they don't want to be persecuted themselves. But even though Paul is persecuted, he knows that the Lord has not forsaken him, that even in his difficulties, he's seen the fruit of God's presence with him. So he recognizes, he's like, we've been persecuted, but I have not been forsaken. I've had people turn against me. I've suffered hardship for preaching the gospel and being a missionary and being an apostle. But God has not forsaken me, even though others have run away when things got difficult. He says the gospel is still being preached people are still being saved, and God is still moving. It's easy to miss what God is doing when you're going through trials. It's easy to overlook what God is doing in your situation when you are going through trials. Recognize today that there is fruit in your life. Recognize today that there is growth in your life. Recognize today that there is progress in your life. If you only focus on the trial 
and you only focus on the tribulation, you might miss the byproduct of what God is going to do inside of you. He has not abandoned Paul, even though others have abandoned him. He goes on to say, I'm struck down but not destroyed. Paul has recognized that even if he lost his life, who he is and what he's done will endure. Because the Jesus that Paul preaches is the message of eternal life. It is the gospel which Paul, which assures Paul's place in heaven. But it's also the gospel work that cannot be destroyed by force, violence, or human hands. Listen, the world has been trying to wipe out Christianity and the message of the cross for over 2,000 years. Empires have raised themselves against it. They've ordered for books to be burned. They've ordered for people to be put in prison. They've ordered for people to be put to death. There's been difficulty the church has gone through. And when churches go through difficulty, the church grows. It's incredibly frustrating to the world because look at the church throughout history and every time they tried to snuff it out, every time it was persecuted, every time things got hard, the church thrived during those times. You know why? Because the people that were casual about it and could care less were weeded out of it. And the people that were in the church were people that were really dedicated to the church. So the church grew in those times. That's what the future looks like for the world. If we read the New Testament to the end, that's what it's going to look like. But it's not going to mean that the gospel work is going to be somehow stamped out because of difficulty. He says, what I do goes beyond being struck down, being destroyed. Essentially, Paul is saying, you can strike me down, but it's not going to stop what I'm going to do. I'm still going to keep preaching. I'm still going to keep praying. I'm still going to keep being used by God until I can't draw breath anymore. Oh, that we would have that kind of resolve. Oh, that we would get up out of bed with that kind of determination and says, it doesn't matter what happens to me. Even if I die today, what I've done and what I've poured into others, poured into my family, poured into my ministry, that is going to outlive me. And even if I die, and even if you destroy me in persecution, and believe me, the Roman Empire knew how to persecute Christians. They made it their entertainment. They would burn them at stakes. They would set them before lions. They would sick wild beasts on them for entertainment. They knew how to persecute them. But even if they died there, you didn't get rid of me. I'm just in a different place. You didn't get rid of me. I'm not here anymore, but I'm with the Lord. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me right about now. As, as, as difficult as life is, as hard as it is to get up in the morning when your body doesn't want to cooperate, when your kidneys don't want to cooperate, when your knees don't want to cooperate, when your Achilles tendon acts up, when you get out of bed and you feel more exhausted than when you got into it. Like you used to be able to sleep to look forward to going to sleep, but now you feel like you've been beat up. So like, as you get older, you're like, I don't really like this, but the idea of being absent from the body and present with the Lord sounds pretty good to me right now. So even if they destroy you and destroy all that you have, you are not destroyed because you are with the Lord and his work just keeps on going. Verses 10 through 12 says, always carrying around in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus might be manifested in our body. 
For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. So Paul brings up this very interesting idea that uh, talking about the uh, body of the dying Lord being manifested in them so that the life of Jesus might be uh, in him so that it might be manifested in them. Paul talks about Jesus' suffering being made manifest in their bodies and that they're delivered to death for Jesus' sake. What does this mean? Well, Paul is countering the argument that he's preaching the gospel for comfort or worldly gain by talking about what he's gone through for Jesus. Now, you can write this down. This is for later. We're not going to read this right now. But in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, Paul talks about everything he has suffered for the sake of Jesus. Everything that he suffered for the sake of preaching the gospel. And he says, five times I have been beaten with the 40 lashes minus one. If you don't know what that is, think about what Jesus endured before he was crucified. Now, he might not have endured uh, with the ones that tear the flesh off the bone, but they did have uh, either uh, lead-tipped whips or uh, pieces of pottery-tipped whips that they would bring across the back of people when they wanted to punish them and make an example of them. Paul said, I've done that five times, by the way. Been there, done that, have the bloodstained T-shirt to show for it. That's five times more than anybody else has endured, okay? Usually at the first one, you go, maybe I'll do something else. Maybe I'll do a desk job, right? But he's still preaching the gospel. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned to death. And if you read the book of Acts, that actually happened. The people of the city brought him outside the city. They hurled stones at him. They thought he was dead. He gets up, goes right back in the city and preaches. How about you had to find another city? One without stones. Maybe getting away from those cities with, uh, you know, contractors in that city and find a city that has grass or something else. It says he spent a day and night in the open sea, even being shipwrecked. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 32, he says, I fought beasts and wild, wild beasts in Ephesus for your sake. So what Paul is saying is that we're bearing the death of Christ in our bodies, that the life of Christ might be manifested in you. He's saying that I can actually take off my robe and show you the wounds that I've suffered for the sake of the gospel. Wounds and scars that he could show that he paid the price for being a messenger of Jesus. And for Christ's sake and the sake of his listeners, Paul and his colleagues put himself in harm's way repeatedly. He contends that if I'm only in it for the glory, if I'm only in it for the money like you say, then why have I suffered so much and chosen to stay in it? A false teacher wouldn't do that. Paul is the real deal. He did it for Jesus, and he did it for those who were going to be saved. He faced death so that the life of Christ, the preaching of the gospel, might be at work in his hearers and in his congregation. Paul had been through a lot. He was broken. He was bruised, but he was not brought down at all. Verses 13 through 18. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I have believed and therefore I spoke. We believe and therefore speak. 
knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Underline it. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I want you to get that in your spirit today. Therefore, I will not lose heart. Even though my outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, we look at the things which are not seen. For the things, these things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Oh, that we would give that a hold of that in our hearts. On the outside, we might be perishing. On the outside, we might be growing old. On the outside, you might be enduring with the effects of stress, anxiety, worry, fear, chronic illnesses and disease. And even though the Lord is gracious to heal us and keep us going, on the outside, we might be falling apart. On the outside, on your, your vessel of clay, you might be pressed on every side. But I want you to know that the, on the inside, you're being renewed. You're being restored. You're being reignited for the Lord because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He knew where his hope was. He didn't despair because his hope was in Jesus. His hope is in heaven. Even if the outward man perishes, the inner man endures. Paul wore his scars as a badge of honor for the kingdom. He was beaten in body but never in spirit. He never let the experiences that he had been through damage his soul. People go through hard times, and they don't just let it affect their bodies. They let it affect their souls. Your body can heal, but it's so important that your soul heals. It's so important that you let what's inside of you heal so that you would recognize today that God is working within you. So many people, they've healed from the physical difficulty. They've gotten through the accident. They've gotten through the divorce. They've gotten through the abusive relationship. But their soul is still damaged. It's still bruised. It's still broken. God needs to be the one that heals the inside so that you and your soul does not become corrupted. It doesn't become jaded. It doesn't become bitter. It doesn't become cynical. But rather that you believe God for good things and say, yes, I've been through a lot of things. Yes, I've been through some awful stuff. And yes, I, have, I may even have the physical difficulties to show for it. But I want you to know something. It hasn't changed my heart. It hasn't changed my spirit. Some people lose their sensitivity to God's spirit over the things that they've been through. Don't let that be you. Never lose your sensitivity to spirit. Never lose your wonder for the things of God. Never be in a moment where you're, you say to yourself, like, I don't care. I don't want to hear from God. I don't want to see God anymore. What you've been through... It's been difficult. What you've been through has been hard. But you know, you're going to shed this body one day and your spirit's going to be with him forever. What will your soul and your spirit be like? Think about that today. Let your prayer be, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, renew me. Renew me on the inside. Jesus, I know you're in there. Jesus, I know you're in there. Come on out, Jesus, and work in my heart and work in my life so that you would not become so calloused 
and so broken that you don't feel anything anymore. If you're someone who works with your hands, you've worked in a trade, you know what it is to have calloused hands that you can drop like acid on or you can touch something that's burning hot and you don't even feel it because you've got that thick layer on your skin and on your fingers that you don't feel it anymore. But may your soul never become callous to the things of God. May your soul never become callous to the needs of others. May your soul never become so uh, grown over with hardness that you can't feel anymore. Be soft and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Bruised and broken, but not brought down. Throughout this passage, that one thing keeps getting repeated. Paul does not rest in his resilience, nor the strength of his intellect, nor the determination of his will, but time and time again, he mentions Jesus at the center of everything he does. It's the treasure that's inside of our earthly jars of clay. And so long as he served the Lord, the work of God would be victorious. It wouldn't be brought down by anything, even death. Even the mighty Roman Empire couldn't bring Paul down. But the one thing that can bring you down is despair. The one thing that can undo you is whatever you let inside of you. If you lose hope, if you lose faith, then that can undo you. But if you're holding on to your hope and you're holding on to your faith and you're holding on to Jesus, nothing can bring you down. Paul preached Jesus. Jesus came for broken people. Matthew 12, 18 through 20 says this, uh, has this to say about Jesus, quoting the prophet Isaiah, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel, he will not cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. Now, if you don't know what that means, is it, uh, he's saying like a smoldering wick, like a wick on a candle. He's not going to put that out. So the picture here, this is the nature of the kind of person that the Messiah would be. This is the kind of person that Jesus would be. One who would have a gentle spirit about him. One in which the Holy Spirit would rest on him. And it says that he wouldn't break a bruised reed. He wouldn't put out a smoldering candle. The loving, gentle nature of Jesus would help those who are broken and burnt out. Are you broken and burnt out today? Jesus is not going to extinguish that wick. He's going to reignite it. A bruised reed is a blade of grass that's been bent over. It doesn't stand up straight and it's almost broken, but so gentle would be the nature of Jesus that he would not break something that's already been bowed so low. Have you been bowed low by the things of this world? Has your head hung down? He's not going to force you into the dirt. He's going to be the lifter of your head. A smoldering wick is a candle whose flame has almost gone out. It's barely holding on to its heat and fire, and the last vapors of smoke are escaping it. But the Lord wouldn't snuff that out with his fingers or blow it out with his mouth. The picture here is that people who are far from God and are, who are barely holding on, it's Jesus who is the one that has come to help them. 
He doesn't break the broken, but straightens them and strengthens them. He doesn't snuff out the burnt out individual, but reignites the flame so that their faith can be renewed. I like this quote from the Quest Study Bible, and it says, quote, To the world, a bruised reed is a worthless thing. It has no power, no stability, no purpose. It is good for nothing but to be cut down and discarded. So in the world, there are many bruised people, individuals who have been wounded emotionally, spiritually, or physically. They are feeble, and to most of the world, they are dispensable, but not to God. The prophecy that Jesus fulfilled is that the bruised reed he would not break. It's a prophecy that speaks of Christ's tender, compassionate nature for the weak and the downtrodden. The disfigured man who Jesus met in Matthew 12 was a bruised reed, and Jesus gave him the strength and cured his shriveled hand. The woman caught in adultery in John 8 was a bruised reed, and Jesus saved her from stoning and, gave, and forgave her sin. Jairus was a bruised reed as he mourned his daughter's death, but Jesus strengthened his faith and raised his daughter from the dead. The woman with the issue of blood in Luke 8 was a bruised reed, and Jesus restored her to full health. The disciple Peter was a bruised reed after his denial of the Lord, but Jesus gently and lovingly renewed him to fellowship after the resurrection. Over and over in the Gospels, we see Jesus caring for the bruised reeds of the world. He goes on to say that Jesus understands the bruised reed. He was bruised for our iniquities, Isaiah 53, verse 5. In other words, he was bruised on the behalf of those bruised by sin. Those who come to Christ, he will not despise. They have a promise from Jesus. God has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, end quote. What an insightful quote. You know why Jesus loves the bruised and the broken? Because his body was bruised and broken on the tree, on the cross for us. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. I want you to think about that. He knows what it means to be bruised and broken because he endured the cross himself. Allow God to do a healing work in your heart. The body can heal on its own, but the heart and soul can sometimes take a long time to heal. This is why Jesus came. Isaiah 61, verse 1, is the passage that Jesus read in the synagogue. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison doors to those who are abound. Jesus read these words. His purpose was spoken in Isaiah and fulfilled in the Gospels. He is anointed to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up their wounds. The picture is almost like someone who is bandaging, cleaning, bandaging, and setting wounds. That's the picture that we see here. That's the kind of Jesus that we serve. He's the one to not only bind up the broken heart, but to set captives free, to open prison doors. What an incredible picture of Jesus as healer and liberator, healing hearts and setting people free. Bodies heal. 
but hearts don't always heal like they should. The Lord wants to heal your body, but more importantly, God wants to heal your heart. You know, you can have a healed body, but a hardened heart. It's, but it's your heart that leads your life. Let the Lord heal what's bruised and broken. Are you bruised today? Have you been hit by things unexpectedly? Is your injury visible? Is it visible not only to you but to others? Perhaps it's in your temper. Maybe it's in your words. Maybe it's in the way that you look at people. People see that you've been bruised and you've been hurt. You've been hurt and it's clear to everybody else that you're not in a good place. Today, I want you to know that Jesus can heal those bruises, those things on the surface that everybody else sees but you don't. He can be the one to help you with that. Are you broken? The things under the surface that no one sees or knows about, the things that you've been through, you want to do the things that you used to be able to do, but every time you do, you just can't because it hurts too much. And you don't know what's wrong. You can't see what's wrong, but the Lord can see. He can see what's broken and what needs to be healed and put back together again. But you've got to let Jesus take a deep look inside you, and you've got to listen when he speaks to you because he sees what's going on inside. Sometimes it's just easier for us when we've been broken to just ignore it. We self-medicate, we distract ourselves, we keep ourselves away from thinking about what we've been through, and we never really deal with it. But Jesus, at times when we're in prayer, at times when we're with him, even at times when we're in a church service, he's looking on the inside and he's bringing things up. He said, did you know that you had this broken heart? Did you know you had this broken relationship? Did you know that you had this broken life that needs restoration? And there's part of us where we can go, yes, God, I see that, and we can be broken inside and weep and allow God to heal and renew us. Or we can push it out and say, I can't handle this. I'm not dealing with this right now. I'm not thinking about this right now. Would you let God heal what's broken inside so that you could be whole and that you can be fulfilled in what God wants you to do? Yes, we're just clay vessels. We're just flesh. We're just dust. But the Spirit of God that's in us is a treasure that keeps us going. Maybe you feel overwhelmed by what you've been through so far. Maybe it's been a good year. Maybe it's been an awful year. You just feel broken inside. Can I challenge you to not despair or lose hope, but turn to the Lord this morning and find help and healing. Let Jesus in. Let him take a deep look inside you so he can heal what's been broken, so you can heal again, so you can love again, so you can serve again, so you can believe again. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.